الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يحده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Verily the praise belongs to Allah. We praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness. And we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds. Whomever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead him astray. And whomever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide him. To bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that He has no partners or associates. And I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave servant and his messenger. Insha'Allah, in this, the seventh in our series of lectures concerning the Islamic creed or the Islamic system of faith, Al-Aqidah al-Islamiyah in which we have been discussing the matters of Islamic faith or creed as outlined in the essay of Al-Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal rahimahullah in his book Usul al-Sunnah The Foundations of the Sunnah Before proceeding with our reading and explanation of the points to be discussed this evening I'm reminded of the fact that there are amongst us those who are participating in this training course who were not with us from the very beginning when we explained the principles and the foundations that this force of study is based upon. There are those who missed, for example, our discussion about the importance of Islamic Aqidah and why it should be given our full attention and consideration above and beyond the study of any other of the Islamic sciences. Additionally, there are amongst us those ladies or some of the ladies who not only joined us late but also perhaps are new Muslims who only recently embraced Islam and to whom these matters, Islamic Aqidah might be totally new. They may be totally unfamiliar with these points and therefore we hope that you will bear patiently with us. and try to review these discussions, review the book, ask questions, and to reflect upon uh, each of these very important and essential points so that bi-idhnillah, or with the help of Allah, or the permission of Allah, we will be able to understand the foundations of the Islamic religion. We said in our earlier lectures, in the beginning of this course, for example, that the Islamic Aqidah or Islamic creed or belief system it is of the utmost importance. It is the foundation of the religion. As we said, it is called Al-Usul which means the foundations. Whereas the other science, the Islamic jurisprudence or fiqh, it is called Al-Furu' or the branches, the secondary matters. This type of uh, classification Al-Usul and Al-Furu' is something which gives us an indication of the importance of the Aqidah it has been called Al-Usul the foundations while the Islamic jurisprudence which many people give their full attention to while abandoning the study of Al-Aqidah 
the Islamic jurisprudence, it is entitled Al-Furur or the branches or secondary matters. Another point which we mentioned earlier in our first lectures, which shows the importance of Al-Aqidah, is that the Prophet spent most of his 23 years during the course of his prophethood explaining to the people the Islamist Aqidah and more specifically teaching the people and helping them to understand the most important part of the Islamic religion at Tawheed the recognition and acknowledgement of the uniqueness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he is alone and unique as being the creator and the nourisher and sustainer and provider and he alone is unique in being entitled to be described by the perfect names and characteristics which he has described himself with in the Quran and which his Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has described him with in the authentic sunnah and that he alone is unique in being entitled to being worshipped that all acts of worship should be and are rightly directed to Allah alone subhanahu wa ta'ala also we mentioned previously to show the importance of al-aqidah the fact that the great scholar of fiqh the great scholar of Islamic jurisprudence al-imam Abu Hanifa rahimahullah may Allah have mercy upon him though he was well known as a scholar of Islamic law or Islamic jurisprudence or al-fiqh he when he wrote a very small essay or treatise explaining the Islamic Aqidah the understanding of Islamic Aqidah he also entitled it Al-Fiqh but he entitled it Al-Fiqh Al-Akbar meaning the greatest Fiqh therefore acknowledging and announcing to the people that although the Islamic law and Islamic jurisprudence that fiqh is very important but what is greater than that and more important is the understanding of the Islamic creed he called it al-fiqh al-akbar the greatest fiqh these points and others make us to know the importance of al-aqidah and remind us of the importance of considering it carefully reflecting upon it reading as much as possible about it and asking questions so that we can understand the foundation of the religion upon which everything else is based and also uh, reminding us that even our deeds practicing the religion of Islam by actions, prayers, fasting, charity and so on though these things are very important the foundation of the deed is the aqidah or the creed and whoever doesn't believe in Allah properly or acknowledge the Tawheed of Allah the oneness and uniqueness of Allah then their deeds could be ruined and spoiled if they are not based on correct Aqidah so to proceed let me just mention quickly that in our last discussion in lecture number 6 we discuss in detail the point where Imam Ahmed mentions that the Quran is the speech of Allah and that it is not created reminding us that Allah's characteristics his sifat or descriptions as well as his af'al, his actions are not created they are part of Allah himself and they are not created and of those characteristics of Allah is his speech the fact that Allah did speak and does speak and will speak whenever he wills and however he wills of those things that's part of his speech is the revelations and specifically Al-Quran the Quran is the speech of Allah it is not created, it is a part of Allah himself it is the characteristic or quality of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and nothing that is from Allah is created we also mentioned the point of belief that the scholars have agreed upon and we discussed it in some detail also mentioning the sayings of some of the great scholars of the early generations of the Muslims and the later generations the belief that Allah will be seen on Yawm Qiyamah on the day of resurrection 
in the next life and it would be one of the greatest joys and favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the believers that's what we wanted to say as an introduction and now to proceed to the points of discussion for this evening Al-Imam Ahmed says here وَأَنَّ النَّبِيَّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ قَدْ رَأَى رَبَّهُ فَإِنَّهُ مَأْثُورٌ عَنْ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ صَحِيحًا And that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم we must believe that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم saw his Lord since this has been transmitted from the Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم and is correct or authentic here an Imam Ahmed mentions some of the chains of narrators the Isnad or Asaneed by which the hadith concerning this matter came to us he says قَدْ رَوَاهُ قَتَادَ عَنْ إِقْرِمَ عَنْ إِبْنِ عَبَّاسٍ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ أَنْهُمَا it has been reported from Qatada from Ikrima from Ibn Abbas may Allah be pleased with him and his father وَرَوَاهُ الْحَكَمْ إِبْنِ عَبَّانِ عَنْ إِقْرِمَ عَنْ إِبْنِ عَبَّاسِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ أَنْهُمَا And it has also been reported to us from Al-Hakam Ibn Abban who reported it from Ikrima who reported it from Ibn Abbas may Allah be pleased with him and his father وَرَوَاهُ عَلِيٌّ Ibn Zayd and Yusuf Ibn Mahran and Ibn Abbas and it has also been reported from Ali Ibn Zayd who reported it from Yusuf Ibn Mahran who reported it from Ibn Abbas may Allah be pleased with him and his father والحديث عندنا على ظاهره كما جاء عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وَالْكَلَامُ فِي بِدْعَةٌ And the hadith in our estimation or in our view is to be taken or is to be understood by its apparent meaning as it has come from the Prophet ﷺ and indulging in theological rhetoric يعني الكلام والكلام فيه بدعة means and indulging in intellectual or theological Rhetoric, trying to re-explain or reinterpret such a matter without basing our understanding or our interpretation or our explanation on the text of Quran and the authentic hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. Such explanations that are baseless and are not founded on reliable sources is innovation. Imam Ahmed says after mentioning the fact that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam wa anna nabiyya sallallahu alayhi wasallam qad ra'a rabbahu after mentioning this he says wal hadith indana ala zahirihi and these hadith or these reports are to be understood or to be taken according to their apparent meaning kama ja'a an nabiyya sallallahu alayhi wasallam as they came from the messenger of Allah from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam wal kalam fihi bid'atun and to discuss this matter or to reinterpret it in any way than the way it is understood in its apparent meaning to try to reinterpret it by our intellect or by something other than evidences from the Quran and Sunnah then this is bid'ah or innovation that means that we should understand it as it is and not try to reinterpret it or twist it or distort its meaning وَلَكِنْ نُؤْمِنُوا بِهِ كَمَا جَاءَ عَنْ ظَاهِرِهِ عَلَى ظَاهِرِهِ وَلَا تُنَاظِرُوا فِيهِ أَحَدًا but we must have faith in it as it came upon its apparent meaning and we do not dispute with anyone regarding it uh, in the commentary of our book footnote number 26 I would just like to discuss that commentary briefly because perhaps it might not be completely clear the commentator says that the Salaf or the early generations of the scholars have differed with respect 
to the Prophet ﷺ seeing his Lord. This difference, I am saying now, this difference is a difference in expression or in the way that the scholars expressed their view about this matter and not a difference in reality of what they actually believed. It is agreed by all of the scholars that the Prophet ﷺ did in fact see his Lord. But what appears to be a difference is, as he mentions here, those who affirmed the fact of the Prophet ﷺ seeing his Lord by a ru'ya qalbiya or a vision of the heart and those who denied him seeing his Lord by a ru'ya basariya or a vision from the, by the eyes yani there are those from amongst the companions of the Prophet وسلم, and those who came after them from amongst the tabi'un and the scholars after them of the imams who affirmed one aspect of this ru'ya or this vision or seeing Allah and those who denied another aspect of it. But there is no conflict between them because those who denied it, they denied that the Prophet ﷺ actually saw Allah in awakened, awakened state, saw Him by His eyes. They denied that, but they didn't deny that He saw Allah in a vision, in a sleeping state. And the hadith prove to us that the vision or the dreams of the prophets are true visions. The dreams of prophets are true visions. Not like the dreams of other human beings which might be true or might be false. But the dreams of prophets are true visions. So in fact the dream of the Prophet ﷺ and the vision that he saw in a sleeping state it is a true vision. So we say in fact that he did see Allah but not in a waking state. Not by his eyes but by the heart. Those who affirmed the seeing of the Prophet ﷺ, seeing his Lord, they affirmed this. And those who denied, they denied that he saw Allah in awakened state by his eyes. So if we understand this point, then we will see that those who affirmed and those who denied are not in reality having a difference, but there is a difference in the way they express the point relating to the Prophet ﷺ, seeing Allah. So he mentions here that amongst those who rejected the seeing or the vision of the Prophet ﷺ seeing his Lord or Aisha radiallahu anha and Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu they rejected it but we will understand as we read it carefully we will see that what they rejected is the vision of the Prophet ﷺ in awakened state as for Abdullah ibn Abbas and Al-Hassan al-Basri Urwa ibn al-Zubair the students of ibn Abbas Ka'ab ibn Ahbar, Al-Zuhri, Ma'amar, and Al-Ashari, they affirmed the vision or the seeing, the Prophet seeing his Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. And their affirmation is the affirmation of the ru'ya qalbiya or the vision by the heart in a sleeping state. Then he says after this difference, he said they also differed, did he see him with his eyes or with his heart? And the first difference is some said he didn't see his Lord but actually if we understand what they really mean they mean he didn't see him with his eyes. Then amongst those who affirmed the vision he says there's a difference did he see him with his eyes or his heart and this is really the same difference of opinion it's not really a difference but it's only uh, a difference in expression because in reality none of the Sahaba or the uh, students of Sahaba said that the Prophet saw Allah with his eyes. The explanation of this point uh, is given by Al-Hafiz ibn Hajj al-Asqalani, the expl- explainer of the Sahih of Al-Bukhari, in which he said that narrations came from Ibn Abbas, unrestricted and others restricted. And what he means by unrestricted and restricted in Arabic, the meaning of unrestricted is mutlaq, and the meaning of restricted is muqayyid. And a more, uh, and a clear meaning of these two words, here, the way they are used, is that mutlaq, or unrestricted, it means that they expressed the vision of the Prophet ﷺ in a general sense. They said he saw his Lord. Without saying how he seen it. The other narrations that came restricted as he says, which may more properly be uh, explained as specific, the specific narrations, muqayyid, they said that he saw his Lord by his heart. That is, they explained how he saw his Lord. 
In some of the narrations, they just said he saw his Lord. That means it was general, left open. And in the other narrations, which were more specific, they said he saw his Lord by a vision of the heart. So those narrations are of two types. And Al-Hafiz ibn Hajj al-Asqalani makes us to understand here that those which are general should be understood in light of those which are specific. Yani those narrations which said that he saw his Lord should be understood in light of the more specific narrations which said how he saw his Lord. And in this way, we can see that there is no difference here, there is no conflict, but both of them are saying the same thing, except one mentioned a general statement and the other was more specific. Also, uh, in the next paragraph, he talks about, uh, the commentator says that uh, Ibn Abbas speaks about the affirmation of the vision of the Prophet ﷺ in his sleep, not that he saw him in the mi'raj, or the night of ascent, the journey to the seven heavens. Ibn Abbas, his affirmation is the affirmation of the vision of the Prophet in his sleep. Not the affirmation of him seeing his Lord by his eyes in the time or in the incident or the occasion of Al-Mi'raj or the night uh, ascent when he ascended to the seven heavens. And Aisha, radiallahu anha, her denial is denial of the Prophet seeing Allah at the time of the ascent to the seven heavens uh, in a wake state and she didn't deny that he saw him in a sleeping state in a vision of the heart. So again, uh, if we read this explanation carefully it will become clear to us that there is no real conflict but only on the surface there appears to be some difference here. I hope uh, that there is some clarity to this point and Allah knows best. In any case, uh, some of the scholars discussed this point for example, they said that Ibn Abbas, in a report that's reported by Imam Muslim in his Sahih, about the ayat in the Quran in Surah Al-Najm, verse 11 and verse 13, ma al ma that the heart did not belie what it saw. The heart of the Prophet ﷺ did not belie; it was not mistaken in what it saw. And in the other ayat, وَلَقَدَ رَآهُ نَزْلَةً أُخْرَى That certainly or definitely he saw him in another ascent. Ibn Abbas, about these two ayats, he said, رَآهُ بِفُؤَادِهِ مَرَّتَيْنِ That the Prophet ﷺ saw him, saw Allah by his heart, or vision of the heart, two times. So here, these are of the narrations, or this is of the narrations of Ibn Abbas, where he specified what he meant by the Prophet ﷺ seeing his Lord, that he saw him uh, by a vision of the heart. And it is not authentically reported, not authentically reported from Ibn Abbas anhuma, that he ever said in clear language that the Prophet ﷺ saw Allah by a vision of his eyes, al-ru'ya al-basariya. But he either left it general saying that he saw his Lord or in, as, as reported in this narration he was more specific and said that it was a ru'ya of al-fu'ad or the ru'ya of the heart. Al-Hafiz ibn Hajj al-Asqalani as I mentioned he said that these reports from Ibn Abbas are of two types those which are general and those which are specific. So it is obligatory on us to understand the general narrations in light of the specific. That is that the general that he saw him should be understood how he saw him from the specific that he saw him with his heart. And he again said uh, that the Al-Hafiz ibn Hajjah also said that we can make reconciliation between the reports of Ibn Abbas and the reports of Aisha or the affirmation of Ibn Abbas and the negation of Aisha by understanding that her negation, that is Aisha's negation, was negation of the ru'ya, basariya, seeing by the eyes, and his affirmation, that is the affirmation of Ibn Abbas, was an affirmation of ru'ya, qalbiya, or seeing by the heart. So there is no conflict between them, uh, and yani, we should just understand that the fact of the matter and what we believe is that uh, the Prophet ﷺ saw Allah in his sleeping state and it was a true vision. Also, Sheikh Muhammad Nasruddin al-Albani in his commentary on the hadith of Ibn Abbas, he said 
that uh, we should also look at the, the narration of the hadith of Abi Dhar radiallahu anhu, the companion of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, who said, سألت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم هل رأيت ربك he said I asked the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم did you see your Lord this question is very clear and direct and it is authentic hadith reported also by Imam Muslim the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم answered him by saying نور أنا أراه that it was light how could I see him يعني he saw light how can I see him. And in another report that we will come to down further, it is mentioned that the hijab of Allah is nur, that his covering or screen that separates him from the people seeing him is the hijab or the screen of light. So that what the Prophet saw was the light of the screen of Allah and not Allah himself. The Prophet said, Nurun anna arahu. How could I have seen him? I only saw light. So he, in this narration, made it clear that he didn't see Allah in person in the night ascent, in the journey to the seven heavens, but what he saw when he went above the seven heavens was the hijab of Allah or the screen of light in front of Allah or between Allah and the human beings. Also, Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah, in the Majmu'a Fatawa, in his book of legal rulings, he discussed this issue and he was one of the most knowledgeable of the scholars of the madhab of Imam Ahmed and he clarified what Imam Ahmed meant here when he affirmed that the Prophet ﷺ did in fact see Allah and that we should not dispute about it nor, we, nor should we try to reinterpret it but we should understand it by the text of Quran and Sunnah and not by any other explanation Ibn Taymiyyah says that it is authentically narrated from the Prophet ﷺ that he saw his Lord Tabaraka wa Ta'ala, the Blessed and the Most High. But that vision of Allah, it wasn't in the Isra and Mi'raj, in the night journey and the ascension to the seven heavens, but it was in the time when the Prophet ﷺ was in Medina, and he informed the people that in one night in Medina, in his manamihi, in his sleep or in his dream, that he saw Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Al-Imam Ahmed, rahimahullah, he based his opinion on this statement of the Prophet ﷺ that he saw Allah in his sleep, but that it was a true vision. And he said, Imam Ahmed, that he saw him, yes, he saw him in reality. Yani, it was a real vision. Because the vision of the Prophet, they are true. But Imam Ahmed did not say that the Prophet ﷺ saw Allah in a waking state through the eyes that are in his head. In some of the statements of Imam Ahmed, as in the statements of Ibn Abbas, sometimes he said, simply in the general way, he said, Ra'ahu, he saw him. And in other statements he said, Ra'ahu bifu'adihi. He was more specific and he said he saw him by a vision of the heart. So these, both types of narrations are similar to the reports from Ibn Abbas, general and specific, and the general should be understood in light of the specific. So this is the meaning of the statement of Imam Ahmed that the Prophet ﷺ saw his Lord. He definitely did see him. In reality, it was a true vision in his sleep, not in the waking state, and not in the occasion of the ascent to the seven heavens. Also, Sheikh Abdullah ibn Abdurrahman ibn Jibreen, in his explanation of this book, he mentioned to us also some of the previous points that we mentioned and went on to say, uh, he mentions the hadith of Abu Dhar radiallahu anhu in Sahih Muslim that I asked the Prophet sallallahu did you see your Lord? And he said, Nurun anna arahu, it was light, how could I have seen him? And in another narration, he said, Ra'aytu nuran, I saw light. This is an evidence that the Prophet sallallahu only saw the light of the hijab of Allah as proven in another hadith reported from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in which he said, anna that فَأَخْبَرَ بِأَنَّ اللَّهَ هِجَابُهُ النُّورَ That the hijab of Allah or the screen or the curtain in front of Allah is light. لَوْ كَشَفَهُ لَأَقْرَقَتْ سُبُحَاتُ وَجْهِهِ مَنْ تَهَا إِلَيْهِ بَصَرُهُ مِنْ خَلْقِهِ That if that hijab or that screen was removed, the glory and the greatness 
of Allah's face would have caused the burning up or the destruction of everything that was within his sight of his creation that means everything in the creation would have been destroyed because the glory of Allah is too great for the human being or the creation in this world to bear and this is also understood from the Quran itself as we read in the Quran where the Prophet Musa, Moses alayhi salam when he asked Allah to see him he said Rabbi arini anzur ilayka Oh Allah let me have a look at you, let me see you Musa the Prophet of Allah and the Prophets are the most knowledgeable of all human beings of Allah he asked Allah can I see you but Allah said to him لن تراني that you will never see me يعني in this world you cannot see me ولكن انظر إلى الجبل فإن استقر مكانه فسوف تراني but look at the mountain only if that mountain remains in its place then you would see me but of course the mountain crumbled from the glory of Allah and even Musa himself fainted and fell out into a swoon from just seeing the glory of Allah which was reflected on the mountain the mountain crumbled and it caused Musa himself even to faint so this is a proof that the human being in this world how can they see Allah directly when even just to see the light of the glory of Allah reflected on a mountain caused the mountain to crumble and Musa السلام, to fall into a swoon how can we see Allah in this life the physical creation of the human being in this world is not capable of seeing Allah but in the next life when the people would be resurrected and given a new life then Allah would give them the ability to withstand his sight and that would be one of the joys of the next life also I remember one of our scholars in Medina when he was teaching us about this point he also mentioned that the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ in Bukhari and Muslim that the greatest of the joys of the people of paradise would be the seeing of Allah and he said then if that is one of the blessings that is reserved for paradise and it would be the greatest joy that the people would experience in paradise then we shouldn't expect that anyone should experience it in this life because it is the things of paradise of those things that no eye has seen nor any heart has understood so those things are reserved for the next life and Imam Ahmed goes on to say وَالْإِمَانْ بِالْمِزَانِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ كَمَا جَاءَ يُوزَنُ الْعَبْدُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ فَلَا يَزِنُ جَنَاحَ بَعُودَةٍ and also of those essential things that we must believe in is having faith in the mizan the scales or the balance the weighing of the deeds on the day of judgment just as it has come to us in the hadith that a person will be weighed on the day of judgment and he will not be equal to the weight of a wing of a fly or a mosquito وَتُوزَنُ أَعْمَالُ الْعِبَادِ كَمَا جَاءَ فِي الْأَثَرِ وَالْإِيمَانِ بِهِ وَالتَّصْدِيقُ بِهِ وَالْإِعْرَادُ أَمَّنْ رَدَّ ذَلِكَ وَتَرْكُ مُجَادَلَتِهِ and the actions or the deeds of the people will be weighed just as it has been reported in the narration of the Prophet ﷺ to have faith in it and to attest to its truthfulness and to turn away from whoever rejected that and to abandon argumentation with him here also there is an important point that we must believe in that it is a fact that of those things which we are required to believe in is the belief in the last day اليوم الآخر or يوم القيامة the day of resurrection or day of judgment يوم الدين and in the, as one of the aspects of this belief in the judgment day is the belief in الميزان or the scales or the weighing of deeds Allah says in the Quran وَنَدَعُوا الْمَوَازِينَ الْقِفْتِ لِيَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ فَلَا تُظْلَمُوا نَفْسٌ شَيْئًا وَإِنْ كَانَ مِثْقَالَ وَإِنْ كَانَ مِثْقَالَ حَبَّةٍ خَرْدَلٍ أَتَيْنَا بِهَا that we will put the scales of justice we will put them forth for the day of resurrection and no one no person will be oppressed or done wrong in any way whatsoever even in such a thing such a small thing that is equal to the weight of a mustard seed it will be brought forth 
this ayah makes us to know that in fact it is real, the scales, they are real scales, even though the reality of those scales, the how of them, we don't know, but they will definitely be a way to weigh the deeds of the people as Allah mentioned here in this ayah of the Qur'an. The Prophet also confirmed not only that the deeds would be weighed, deeds or actions of human beings, but the human beings themselves would be weighed as reported in Al-Bukhari and Muslim in the hadith of Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu which he attributed to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saying innahu layati ar-rajulu al-azimu al-thameen yawm al-qiyama la yazinu indallahi janaha ba'udatin wa qala iqra'u fala nuqimu lahum yawm al-qiyamati wazna in that hadith it is reported that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that a very big fat man would be brought forth on the day of resurrection and he would not his weight would not be equal in front of Allah or in the estimation of Allah it would not be equal to the wing of a mosquito then he said read in confirmation of this read what Allah says in the Quran فَلَا نُقِيمُ لَهُمْ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ وَزْنَا then we will not uh, give for them even on the day of of, on the day of resurrection any weight whatsoever yani they would not be weighing anything this of course means that those people who in this world seem to have some weight but in the next life even when they are weighed a very fat man they would not have any weight before Allah but what would really have weight is the deeds of the people and it is also mentioned in authentic hadith the hadith of al-bitaqa and in that hadith it is confirmed that the records of the human beings would also be weighed and that hadith uh, mentions that a man would be brought forth by Allah it is reported by At-Tirmidhi who said that it is Hassan and Ibn Majah and Al-Hakim and other scholars also mentioned this hadith that a person would be brought forth from the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in front of all the people on the day of resurrection and his deeds would be brought forth in records 99 records of his deeds every one of those records of the 99 would be as long as the eye could see that's how many deeds was recorded against him of bad deeds 99 records each record as far as the eye could see then Allah would say to him atunkiru min hadha shay'an do you deny any of these deeds that have been recorded against you azalamaka have you been done any injustice by those who write the deeds of the people that man would say la ya rabb no oh my lord i don't deny any of it and it's all true then allah would say to him asalaka uzrun do you have any excuse for what you have done and that person again would say no la ya rabb I have no excuse. Then Allah would say to him, Bala inna laka indana hasana fa innahu la zalam alayka al-yawm. Then Allah would say to him, on the contrary, with us there is some good deed. You have a good deed. No one will be done any just injustice today. Then a bitaqa, a card would be brought out, a record, one record of one deed that he did and it was written on that bitaqa, on that card. أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله. His good deed only was that he testified sincerely that there is nothing which should be worshipped except Allah, and he testified that Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم is the servant of Allah and his messenger. Then Allah would call for the deeds to be weighed up on the scales. Those ninety-nine records each one of them reaching as far as the eye could see on one side and that bitaqa containing his sincere testimony of the tawheed of Allah and the prophethood of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that man would say ma hadhihi al-bitaqa ma hadhihi al-sujulat yani what can this thing do for me what can it be in yani in comparison with all of these records of bad deeds against me then 
Allah would say to him, Innaka la tuzlam. He will not be done any injustice. Then he said that those deeds, bad deeds, were all placed on one side of the scale and that bitaka was placed on the other side and those bad deeds didn't weigh anything in comparison to that bitaka of the testimony of the Tawheed of Allah and the Prophet of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa This hadith, it reminds us of the greatness of Tawheed and the importance of sincere testimony to the oneness of Allah and the Prophet of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa and it also confirms that the deeds of the human beings as well as their records, the records of their deeds would also be weighed on the day of resurrection. And also the Prophet ﷺ said in authentic hadith as reported in Sahih al-Jami' He said, مَا مِنْ شَيْءٍ يُدْعَوْ فِي الْمِزَانِ أَثْقَلُوا مِنْ حُسْنِ الْخُلُقِ That there would be nothing put on the scales that would be heavier or more weighty than good character. Good character. And in another hadith, authentically reported in Al-Bukhari and Muslim from Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, كَلِمَتَانِ خَفِيفَتَانِ عَلَى اللِّسَانِ ثَقِيلَتَانِ فِي الْمِزَانِ حَبِيبَتَانِ إِلَى الرَّحْمَانِ سُبْحَانَ اللَّهِ وَبِحَمْدِهِ سُبْحَانَ اللَّهِ الْعَظِيمِ that there are two words or two statements that are very light on the tongue. That means they are easy for one to say, not difficult. But they are very heavy in the scales. They will be weighed on the scales. These two words. They will have weight, very heavy weight. Habibatani ila Rahmani, they are beloved by Allah Ar Rahman. And those two words as Subhanallah wa bihamdihi Subhanallah al Azim. Subhanallah wa bihamdihi which means the affirmation or the negation of any imperfection to Allah. Subhanallah means that we negate any imperfection or any defect or any shortcoming or anything that has been falsely attributed to Allah such that He has sons or that He has partners or any such thing. Subhanallah is the negation of any imperfection to Allah wa bihamdihi is the affirmation that praise belongs to him because of his perfection. So this word Subhanallah wa bihamdihi and Subhanallah al-Azim affirmation or negation of any imperfection to Allah who is al-Azim this or also such words will be weighed on the scales and it will be very heavy on the scales weighing in the good of the person who says them and in remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is the affirmation of the reality of the scales on the day of judgment that the people would be weighed, their deeds would be weighed and their records would be weighed. It is upon us to pay attention to our time in this world and to use it to doing the things that are pleasing to Allah as much as possible and paying attention to those things that are weighty with Allah to do them as best we can and avoid those things which are displeasing to Allah which are hateful to Allah which Allah has prohibited so that when the reality of that day comes and our deeds are placed on the scales that inshallah the side of good deeds will be heavier than the side of bad deeds and we can do that by trying as best we can to follow the instructions but first we have to know study of the authentic sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam of the authentic sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who guides us to the knowledge of that which is pleasing to Allah and that which is displeasing to him. And Imam Ahmed goes on to say 
وأن الله تعالى يكلم العباد يوم القيامة ليس بينهم وبينه ترجمان والإيمان به والتصديق به And we also of the essential things that we believe in related to the day of resurrection is that Allah the Most High will speak to his servants on the day of resurrection and they will not, between, they will not be between him that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the people any interpreter but Allah will speak to them directly we must have faith in this and we must affirm it it is reported in the authentic hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallama مَا مِنْكُمْ مِنْ أَحَدٍ إِلَّا وَسَيُكَلِّمُهُ اللَّهِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ لَيْسَ بَيْنَهُ وَبَيْنَهُ تَرْجُمَانِ This hadith is reported on the authority of Adi ibn Hatim radiyallahu anhu and the collection of Al-Bukhari and the collection of Muslim that there is no one from amongst you there is no one no one is accepted from this everyone is included in this Allah will speak to him on the day of resurrection and there will not be between him and Allah any interpreter or translator but Allah will speak to them directly Al-Shaykh Abdurrahman Ibn Jibreen he said of those things that are also part of the belief in the last day or the day of resurrection or the day of judgment the resurrection after death is that Allah would speak to the servants and there would not be between them anyone to interpret or to translate there would not be anyone or any need for anyone to interpret from different languages but Allah will speak to them and they will understand exactly all people of different languages would understand what he is saying they will know what he is saying and this will happen in reality it is a fact Allah will speak to the people how he wills on the day of resurrection and Imam Ahmed goes on to say وَالْإِمَانُ بِالْحَوْدِ وَأَنَّ لِرَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ حَوْدًا يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ فَرِدُوا عَلَيْهِ أُمَّتُهُ عرضه مثل طوله مسيرة شهر آنيته كعدد نجوم السماء على ما صحت به الأخبار من غير وجه and of those essential things that we must believe in of the Islamic aqidah and specifically related to those things of the day of resurrection is to have faith in al-hawd the fountain uh, or the pool that will be that there will be a pool for the messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam or a fountain on the day of resurrection and his nation or his people his ummah will come to it to drink and its width is equal to the distance traveled in a month the distance that someone travels in a month its distance will be that would be its distance its drinking vessels equaling the number of stars in the sky yani those people who came to it from the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam they would use its drinking vessels and those vessels cups for drinking would be equal in number to the stars in the sky and all of this is in accordance with the narrations that are authentically reported in this regard uh, and they came from more than one aspect meaning they came from more than one chain of narration more than one isnad or chain of narrators the great scholar of Tafsir Al-Qurtubi said in his book Al-Mufham which is an explanation of Sahih Muslim he quoted from Al-Qadi Iyad agreeing with most of what he said saying among the things that are necessary upon every responsible person to know and to believe in is that Allah the Most High and Exalted has singled out his Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and made exclusively for him this favor that is the, that it would be for him a fountain on the day of resurrection that his ummah would drink from called Al-Hawd its name characteristics and drink have been made clear in the well known and authentic hadith the sum total of, total of which provides certain and definite knowledge from those hadith we are sure 
and we know about something that no one can know about except through the Quran or through the Sunnah that is through revelation because it is something that didn't happen but it will happen in the future there's no way to know about it and there's no way to have certain knowledge about it except through the revelation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala since such a hadith have been reported from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam by more than 30 companions and the two sahihs that is the Sahih of Al-Bukhari and Muslim is reported by over 20 companions and the Sahih of Bukhari and Muslim and in other than the two Sahihs it has been reported by the remainder of them yani the other companions in a hadith whose transmission is authentic and whose reporters are well known then a similar, num- a similar number of Tabi'een the students of Sahaba reported such a thing from the aforementioned companions and then after them in multiples of their number the Tabi'een or the Atba'a Tabi'een those who came after them and so on Allah says in the Quran concerning this matter إِنَّا أَعَطَيْنَاكَ الْكَوْثَرِ that verily we have given to you Al-Kawthar some of the scholars of Tafsir said that it is a river in paradise that would flow from Al-Hawd in any case it is something that was given exclusively to the Prophet and only his Ummah would drink from this Hawd there are many authentic hadith that are narrated from many companions such as the hadith which is reported by Al-Bukhari and Muslim hadith of Abdullah ibn Amr in which it is reported that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said Hawdi masiratu shahrin that my hawd is the distance that one travels in a month wazawayahu sawa'un and its sides would be equal from one side to another wama'uhu abyadu min al-yabin and that its water would be whiter than milk warihuhu atyabu min al-misq or misq and its or its smell would be sweeter or better than any sweet smelling perfume and its uh, vessels for drinking would be equal in number or like the stars in the sky and whoever drinks from it he would never be thirsty ever then ever and whoever drinks from that fountain he would never after that experience thirst and there are many hadith such as this one reported in the authentic books from many of the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam affirming the hawd for the Prophet sallallahu wasallam it would be something exclusively given to him for his ummah and it is a special gift for those who carefully to the way of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam following his sunnah and not innovating as reported in some of the hadith as Sheikh Abdullah ibn Jibreel mentioned in his discussion of this point that, that these are the things that we are required to believe in the last day and the hadith about it are many uh, he says um, that the ummah of the Prophet Muhammad his followers that they would come to this fountain and uh, they would drink from it but those would be pushed away who didn't stick tight or hold carefully and practice his sunnah even though they would be from his ummah and they would have the signs or the marks of his ummah the light on their forehead and on their legs that they would that the ummah of Muhammad would be known by but yet they would be pushed back uh, and the Prophet according to some narrations he would say but these people are from my ummah and then he would be informed that those people innovated after you that is they changed your sunnah, they abandoned your sunnah and innovated new things into the religion after you left them then uh, the shaykh goes on to mention some of the descriptions of the haud that are mentioned in the previous hadith that we already mentioned and he says uh, that the believers who would drink from it they would never be thirsty after that until they actually entered the paradise itself and this is on the day of resurrection whoever drank from it would never be thirsty until they entered paradise and of course in paradise people would not have any need of anything uh, the believers would would take from it and the munafiqun or the hypocrites and the disbelievers and those who innovated in the religion would be rejected from it 
So let us also uh, keep this in mind that there is also this very special uh, favor that will be given to the Prophet and his ummah will share in this favor in that they would also experience the joy and the blessing of drinking from that fountain that would be exclusively for the followers of Muhammad These are some of the things that we uh, are required to believe in and we should understand that uh, if we read the Qur'an and ask about the explanation of those ayats which are not clear to us explaining the paradise and the resurrection and judgment the next life, the hellfire and also compare those verses from the Qur'an with the authentic hadith of the Prophet ﷺ usually it will be very clear to us what we are required to believe in and it will also be a source of knowledge of what is going to happen in the future that no one knows about except through revelation these things should be an inspiration for us to help us in this difficult time, the life in this world when it is easier to enjoy the things of the world than it is to uh, stick to the obedience to Allah then this is an inspiration for us that Allah has given to us to inspire us to give us give up those things that He has prohibited and to leave those things that He is displeased with and to stick to the way of the Prophet ﷺ to follow those things which He has commanded us to fulfill all of our obligations even if they may be difficult in this life knowing that the reward is great in the next life remembering that the life of this world is short it is temporary it is passing and the life of the next world is permanent and everlasting as the Prophet ﷺ said that we should live in this world as a stranger and someone just passing through a place becoming, not becoming attached to it but, or as he said as a person who sits a traveler who sits under the shade of a tree uh, enjoying that shade for a few moments or a few hours not claiming ownership of the tree or ownership of the shade or establishing themselves in that place but only enjoying that shade for a short time and then going on their destination, continuing their journey, trying to reach the final destination and that final destination is the paradise. Let us remember that this world is only a temporary stopover. It is a testing ground for us. We can enjoy something of this world that Allah has made lawful but don't become attached to it, don't become overwhelmed by it and don't become so engaged in it that we forget about the more lasting and the permanent, the next life, the paradise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika, ashadu an la ilaha illa anta, astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. If there are any questions, uh, we have about two or three minutes before the adhan. Otherwise, uh, we will uh, finish here. Wassalatu wassalam ala rasulul kareem. The question came to us. It says Allah will speak to everyone on the last day. But who are those whom He will show His face to? Uh, Allah will speak to everyone on the last day. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but um, who are those who He will show His face to? He will show His face only to the believers. Because this is uh, one of the rewards for the believers. Um, okay. <laughs> in, in any case, the question is still the same. He will show his face to the believers and he will not show his face to the disbelievers. As Allah mentioned in the Quran that on the day of resurrection that uh, there will be a screen between him and the disbelievers so that they will not see him. And also in the authentic uh, hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, he said that one of the great joys for the believers would be that they would see Allah and it's also mentioned uh, in ayahs of the Qur'an as we mentioned in our, uh, in our discussion last week that for the believers there will be paradise wa ziyada the ziyada in the ayah it means uh, that they will, that it will mean that they will be given something extra or special and the Prophet ﷺ said that that means that they will see Allah or they will see the face of Allah uh, there's another question here is this the same river that washes the people who have been punished in the hellfire before entering paradise the al-kawfar is actually well al-hawd is on the day of resurrection the people will drink from it and actually the river that is in paradise al-kawfar as according to some of the scholars al-kawfar is a river in paradise is not the same river 
that the people would be washed in. That is, those believers who would have some punishment, who would be punished in the fire for some time because of some of the bad deeds that they did uh, before entering the paradise. There's a hadith of the Prophet in which he said that after they would be punished in the hellfire, they would be taken out and they would be washed in a river before entering the paradise. That's a different river than the river that would be in paradise itself, the river of Al-Kawfar. Uh, what is exclusively for the Ummah of the Prophet ﷺ is Al-Hawd, the fountain that the people would drink from on the day of resurrection. As for that, as for the 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 river inside of Paradise, oh, then uh, this is something that. Uh, will be for the people of paradise whoever would enter the paradise whether it is of the previous nations and yeah, the previous Muslims who believed in the prophets of the past uh, such as Musa, Moses peace be upon him or Isa, Jesus peace be upon him and so on and if there is a difference between the Haud, the fountain that the people of the Ummah of Muhammad would drink from on the day of resurrection and Al-Qawfa or the river that would be in paradise itself um, There is a question here in Arabic. What is the difference between the uh, the vision of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and the vision of Musa salam? What is the difference? Well, if the question is referring to the what is mentioned in the Quran about Musa salam asking to see Allah and that he actually saw the reflection on the mountain of the glory of Allah, then the difference is that. Uh, that Musa, he saw the glory reflected on the mountain, whereas the Prophet Muhammad actually saw the hijab, the light which is the hijab of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the difference. I don't know. There's a question here. What about certain sinners amongst the Muslims such as homosexuals? A hadith I read a long time ago said they won't see him. Uh, I'm not familiar with this hadith so I don't, I cannot uh, say anything about this. I don't know the hadith. But uh, in general we can say in general that any person who believes in Allah and they died on this correct belief in Allah then if they committed any sin whether it's major or minor sins whatever it may be after their punishment they would enter paradise and the Prophet ﷺ said that the people of paradise would generally not any exclusive group from amongst them but the people in general the people of paradise would see Allah all of them without exception so anyone who committed any sin other than the one who committed shirk worshipping something other than Allah and didn't repent from it but died as a mushrik any person who didn't die as a mushrik even if they committed shirk but they repented from it while they were living then every sin that the human being commits they uh, Allah may forgive them or he may punish them and then they will enter paradise the believers that is Allah may punish them if he wills if they didn't repent from it uh, he may punish them or he may forgive them and if they repented from it then Allah accepts repentance if it's sincere repentance so whatever deed anyone did if they repented then Allah accepts repentance and if they didn't repent then Allah may punish them or he may forgive them but the believers the people who died believing in Tawheed sincerely died on that without dying on shirk then they will enter paradise eventually all of the believers What about those, or what of those who use Subhanallah, who, who say this word Subhanallah for example as a sign of disappointment or curse, or as most disbelievers use Jesus Christ, or say Jesus Christ as a way of cursing, 
Are the words subhanAllah still counted as weighty or heavy even without good intentions? If the word subhanAllah, if this is used in a wrong way, it's not used as an expression of, glor- of, glor- of glorification of Allah or praise of Allah or remembrance of Allah. If it is used uh, in some bad way, then obviously we will not expect that the person who uses, who does a good deed but with a wrong intention, that they will get reward for it. As we said so many times, actions will be rewarded based on two conditions being fulfilled. The first of them is that they have to do it with the intention of pleasing Allah, and the second that they have to do something in accordance with the example or the instruction of the Prophet ﷺ. So if somebody does something, any action, whether it's words of praise, dhikr, subhanallah, alhamdulillah, la ilaha illallah, or any words such as this, if they did it meaning something or intending something bad, then of course they will not get a reward for it. They will not be rewarded by Allah with, uh, as having done a good deed, but they will be rewarded according to their intention. Actions are judged according to intentions. If someone does a good, in- a good deed, but the intention is bad, then they will be rewarded according to their intention. Okay, alhamdulillah, that's the end of the questions. May Allah help us and protect us. And if we have said anything wrong, then please, uh, uh, anyone, they may bring it to our attention. And if we have said anything that's not clear, then in the future, inshallah, you may ask about it. And we hope that Allah will help us all to understand better and to benefit from these fittings. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Shalwan la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayka.